Welcome back to another episode of the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, and I am not in the KKLA studio tonight in Glendale, but I am coming at you live from the Branch of Hope Church in Torrance, California. And I am here with my good friend, Dr. Eddie Anorga. Eddie, thank you for being here, and how are you doing this evening? So far, so good. We're just excited to be here tonight. Absolutely. We, uh, this is kind of a new venture for us. We have never done this remote broadcasting thing because um, we have never been in this kind of COVID-19 type situation that we find ourselves in tonight. So we thought it would be best if we kind of stayed outside of the studio for our own safety and for the safety of others. And so hopefully this show goes smooth tonight. We do appreciate all of you guys listening and tuning in, and we appreciate your understanding during this time if there are any technical glitches, but hopefully there won't be. Before I get uh, too far into the show, I want to throw out the number for you to call into the show tonight, and that is 888-995-KKLA. That's 888-995-5552. You could also get a hold of me, Jason, at apologetics.com if you'd like to get in touch regarding anything that we're talking about tonight or any topics that are related to the Bible, theology, um, belief, you know, the existence of God, any sort of apologetic type question. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Um, Tonight we're going to be challenging believers to think and thinkers to believe as we discuss COVID-19 and the myriad of social, moral, and biblical issues that surround it. As many of you may be aware, Los Angeles County has just issued an extension of the stay-at-home orders that will continue until May 15th. So how should we respond to these sort of situations as Christians? How should we be thinking about them, and what does Scripture have to say about all of this? Uh, We'll be discussing this and more. And again, we'd love to hear from you. So I'm going to throw the number out again, 888-995-5552. As this is an apologetic show, we need to be thinking through these times as Christians and trying to move forward with grace and truth, always being prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us. And there really isn't a more relevant topic to be discussing right now other than COVID-19, this coronavirus, and its implications for us. It presents an opportunity for a whole lot of tangential conversations that we as Christians should be prepared to think through and discuss. Some questions to consider that I've been pondering myself are, uh, are we really loving our neighbor when 17 million people have filed for unemployment in the past three weeks, most of whom are probably trying to feed their families and keep a roof over their head? Uh, Have we been presented with a false dichotomy this quarantine or die scenario, or is there a middle ground that we can and should be considering? You know, what biblical wisdom could we have considered on a global level that would have prevented this situation, and what biblical wisdom can we consider in the midst of this situation that will help us to love our neighbor as ourselves and move forward in a way that allows us to care for and comfort those around us. As mentioned, I'm broadcasting remotely from a church, which is my home church, Branch of Hope in Torrance, California. I'm a deacon there. And we as a church have been connected to the Apologetics.com radio ministry for at least 15 years or so. And we continue to be a ministry partner and supporter of this wonderful radio ministry. We as a church have been meeting online for the past few weeks due to the COVID-19 situation, as we're seeking to love our neighbor and keep everybody healthy and out of harm's way. And in light of that fact, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Easter Sunday for a live stream worship service at 10 a.m. You can find us on Facebook at Branch of Hope, or you can stream from our website at branchofhope.org. That's some of the administrative issues I need to get out of the way here. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm joined here at church tonight by my good friend, fellow apologist, and also a doctor by vocation, Eddie Anorga. Um, Is it appropriate to also call you a Cuban refugee? 
I'm a political refugee. A political refugee. Uh, so Eddie will be able to offer a unique perspective because he is a medical doctor who treats patients every day for all sorts of things, and he understands viruses and diseases uh, far better than the average person. Also, he has seen firsthand, coming from Cuba, how a country can be destroyed by certain unbiblical ideologies and governments. And in tonight's show, we'll be looking and considering everything that we have been dealing with these past several weeks uh, with COVID-19. But before we get there, um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people, a lot of friends, uh, even my wife recently, as we're, I'm home a lot more, um, working from home remotely. And I want to remind people and encourage people that God is completely sovereign over everything that is going on today, right now. Um, I want to remind people that it is Good Friday, at least in my mind. It's, it's Good Friday, even though it's technically Saturday morning. Um, it's still Friday night to me. Um, and Good Friday is, is the most amazing thing that we celebrate as Christians this entire weekend. And I want you to know that no virus, no shutdown, no quarantine, no unlawful ruler or politician or unjust law will change the fact that God is on the throne ruling and reigning right now. He is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And we are reminded in Proverbs 21.1 that the King's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord and he turns it wherever he will. So I want to encourage those of you, myself included, who have looked at the situation around us and everything going on and have felt maybe sadness or despair or discouragement for whatever reason. You know, a lot of, a lot of things in our lives have been completely different than what we're used to these past few weeks. Um, our work schedules are different. Uh, we may be working from home. We, we may have lost our job. We may have been furloughed for a period of time. Um, our church lives are, are completely different, right? We aren't having to, the face-to-face -face fellowship and interaction that we're used to on Sundays. You know, uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, we haven't been able to partake together. We aren't singing together. Um, we're not enjoying coffee and donuts together and so many other of those little things that really add up over time and, um, you know, make people miss those things. Uh, we can't go to our favorite restaurants. We can't go to the movies. We can't go on walks, on nature trails, or play in parks with our kids. And so there's just a lot of change that's happened, and it can make us sad. It could, um, and that's completely understandable. I totally relate to you and just want you to know that um, if that's where you're at tonight, that it's okay, that uh, God is still God. Um, God is near to the brokenhearted. And if you're a Christian, God loves you with an everlasting love, and he will work all of this every last detail together for your good and for his glory. And in light of everything that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, that's a truth that I don't want you to miss, right? No matter what you hear on the news, no matter what happens to you personally, uh, Romans 8.28 tells us that God is working all things together for good and for his glory. And that is an amazing truth for all of us to grab hold of and take heart of um, during these times. And Good Friday is the day that we're reminded that our greatest enemy, sin, and its consequences, death, have been completely defeated, right? Christ, our Lord and Savior, has been victorious, and Sunday is right around the corner, right? We serve a living God, a risen Savior, and His Spirit has come to be our seal of our inheritance, which is eternal life, and to be our counselor, through these times to be our ever-present ever help in time of need. And so, brothers and sisters, just remember that uh, God made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And I read Romans 5 this morning uh, to my family, and I'll read it here right now. Uh, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And with that being said, let's talk about um, how and when people get back to work and how we get back to work safely, right? Um, I think one thing, Dr. Eddie, we've been seeing or I've been seeing happen is people, Christians, relying solely on the government uh, to tell us kind of how to get back to work and how to do it safely. Um, I think all of us need to be thinking about that, thinking about those things. And um, during this time, if you want to set your mind on something, um, you know, maybe set your thoughts on, on how we can do that. How can we go about doing that uh, safely and effectively? How can we protect ourselves and love our neighbor uh, while being able to effectively do our work, right? Um, there, is a true, there is a true end cost of people not working. Um, some serious consequences that we'll, we'll dig into a little bit. Um, but one thing I want to keep in mind, because that's the one thing that we've really been shut down, like business, right? Our economy, um, completely shut down. And a lot of Christians, you know, I've been talking to them and they'll say things to me like, you know, why do you care so much about money? Um, or our personal freedoms being taken away. And it's not that I care about money. It's I care about people. And, you know, money is a means to, to survive and live in today's world. Um, and work is something that God has instituted prior to the fall, right? There's very few things that, that happened prior to the fall, right? Those first couple chapters of Genesis, you know, God laid down some, some very important things, and one of them was work. You know, Adam was given work to do in the garden um, from the, the day he was created. And at the fall work itself was cursed and it was made to become toilsome but work itself is not a curse it's actually a blessing you know ephesians tells us that we should work diligently with our hands so that we can take care of our family and so that we can provide for those in need and right now work has been completely cut off for countless numbers of people you know 17 million people have filed for unemployment in the last three weeks alone. And so this needs to be important to us as Christians, and we need to understand how to think through these things biblically. Um, so that's hopefully what we're, what we're going to be able to do some of tonight. And, um, you know, with that, I'll throw it over to Dr. Eddie. You know, sorry for that long intro. I'll throw the number out again, 888-995-KKLA. That's 888 Five 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 two. If you'd like to call and chime in um, about anything related to our discussion tonight, well, that was a great intro, <clears throat> Jason. Um, first of all, I'd like to say that this illness that we are facing is a very serious illness, and having been in a couple situations when the hospital systems have been overrun, I was able to go to Honduras after Hurricane Mitch and to Haiti after the earthquake and uh, that is not a situation that you want to be in where the where the hospital system is overrun and that you cannot get the hospital care that you need and for that reason i think it's wise for us to take fairly drastic measures to try and keep this from overwhelming the hospital system plus to give us a time to help uh to help the the people that are fighting this battle at the front lines better prepare. Unfortunately, as you've all heard, there's been shortages of protective equipment, testing, and all other kinds of different things that are needed to fight this battle. And so slowing this thing down at the moment is very important. Yet at the same time, uh, we have to take the restriction of our civil liberties very seriously, and we need to begin talking about how important it is for people to get back to work and that we need to be thinking individually about how we can get back to work safely. And many of us have small businesses and we're best equipped to try and understand how we can operate those businesses 
in a way that's safe. And it may it may be quite a while before a government official can uh, can tell us exactly how to run our business. So we're going to have to figure it out for ourselves. So there are certain principles and ideas that we need to consider. Certainly those are distancing, wearing protective equipment, being able to have access to hand washing and hand sanitation, and doing as much work as possible remotely so that the people that do have to go into work are not working in an area or a, a space that has a high density of people where this idea of distancing can be taken into account. Plus, we need to better understand the importance of uh, good ventilation within workspaces and perhaps the idea of even segregating certain parts of the work area so that, uh, so that air does not travel from one part of the building or one part of the office to the other. Having said all those things, uh, it's very concerning that our liberties are, are being restricted on kind of a blanket thing, which is something that I understand has to happen initially, but it's not something that should be taken lightly. And it's something that we need to begin having frank discussion about how it is that our liberties are going to be restored and when and how and in whatever way that they can be done safely. Um, so those are all things that we need to consider. So what I'm not saying is that you should uh, go out and break the law or maybe their laws, maybe their edicts, um, whatever you'd like to call them. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we need to start talking and discussing the restoration of our liberties and letting our leadership know how serious this is to restrict our liberties um, and that they need to be working on a plan to restore those liberties as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. And, you know, one thing I've been very encouraged by is um, our president, the way he's been kind of navigating through this. And I just saw a good hopeful article today is that our president has started, I think, a second task force to do just that, to start thinking about how we are going to start getting Americans back to work safely. And, you know, one thing that's come up a lot in my conversations with people over the past few weeks is, you know, well, we just need to kind of ride this out and we don't want to um, be back in the saddle too soon, right? We don't, you know, we've been trying to flatten this curve, right? But we don't want a situation where we go back too soon and then um, it starts to come back up, right, this curve. And, you know, one thing, you know, because we don't want more people to die, right, that's kind of the thing. And one thing I think people lose sight of is not just the today, you know, trying to limit this virus spread, but the tomorrow, right, that the decisions that we're making today to stay at home to stop business have effects for tomorrow that a lot of people might not have thought through, right? Um, you know, just economically, right? 17 million people just filed unemployment in the past three weeks. You know, if in LA County, we're going to be stay at home again through May 15th, that's another four and a half weeks or so. Um, you know, more people are going to be laid off, more people are going to be let go because businesses just can't sustain that. And what it can do is it cr could create just a very, very bad economic time for our country and for, you know, the world. And we know historically that um, hard times economically can lead to, um, you know, lots of unforeseen negative consequences in terms of people's um, personal well-being, you know, mental health. Crime rate goes up. Crime rate goes up. Yeah, there's a point at which, you know, people will just need to survive, you know. And um, so we can't overlook those things. We can't say, oh, we just need to save lives now when some of the things that we're doing are actually going to be uh, putting lives in danger, millions of lives, too, um, down the road. Um, and so I think that's what people tend to lose sight of, right, um, a lot. They're not thinking at this holistically. 
right? Right, that we have to take a little bit of a long-term vision. Um, and having said that, um, I think that, that right now it's important <clears throat> for everyone to start thinking about their work. And fortunately, a lot of us can work at a distance. Um, you know, we've been able to continue to, to work from our homes. Uh, I still go into the office and see patients. There's patients that need to be seen. And that's important because if I can't see a patient, they have to go to the over to the emergency room. They get overwhelmed. Plus their likelihood of being exposed is far, far greater. My office right now is kind of like a ghost town. Um, you know, they, they're safer coming into my office right now than they are going into a supermarket. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, you know, we allow, allow people to go into supermarkets. Um, Mm -hmm. So another good news is that we are uh, now moving forward on the whole testing thing. I got an email today about the availability of antibody tests. And those are the tests that are going to be able to help us determine whether or not people have had infections in the past. And so that's a really uh, uh, a big thing. And these are going to start uh being seen in the office setting and a variety of other settings where you could go in, they can prick your finger or draw your blood and do an in-office quick test and let you know whether you already have antibodies. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I suspect that the number of people who have been infected is far greater than the, than the numbers that you see with the positive tests. I myself have been managing quite a number of people over the phone that I suspect have been infected and only one of them has been tested and he was positive and he recovered, thank God. Uh, he was very sick, ended up in the hospital a couple days, but he uh, he made it out of the hospital. But um, but the point is, is that uh, we're going to we're going to see that there are far more people that have already had um, uh, antibodies have already had this infection than what the numbers relate, which is a very important thing because it means we're a lot closer on the road to what is called herd immunity. And that is when a certain amount of the population is resistant to the virus, that the virus can't just jump on the next person to be spread, that it's uh, it's going to hit a lot of dead-end streets and can't get out of that dead-end street and end up dying there. So um, we're probably further along that road. Unfortunately, right now, as I said earlier, we don't really know enough about our current situation to be able to make a lot of decisions about uh, safety with regards to going out and back into our workplace. Yet having said that, we also have to start thinking about how it is and talking about how it is that we get back to work. And we need to also be, while we're working at home, we need to be diligent at, at uh, being productive, that we cannot just say, oh, we're at home, we don't really have to work and be productive. All right. I think we are coming up here on a break. Thank you for that, Dr. Eddie. Um, I'm going to go ahead and send this back to our sound team, the sound engineer board. Um, and I'm going to sign off right now just for uh, this segment. So we will be right back after a few short messages. Thank you. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Everyone has ideas about God. Unfortunately, many people hold false ideas about him. And these ideas have consequences. Some false ideas have led people to worship a God of their own making, while others have led people to reject God altogether. This year, we've devoted an entire conference to answering the most common false ideas about God. Is God anti-gay? Is God good? Do Muslims and Christians worship the same God? These are just a few of the topics we'll be addressing. The only way to guard against false ideas is to fill our minds with true ideas. So join me and a number of other speakers at one of this year's Rethink Apologetic Student Conferences. Find out more information about Rethink by going to RethinkApologetics.com. That's RethinkApologetics.com. We're at war. It's not a war of bombs and bayonets. It's not a war against flesh and blood. In fact, it's not a physical war at all. It's a spiritual war. That's why Paul instructs us to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil's primary scheme is deception. He wants us to believe false ideas about God. And the only way to guard against false ideas is to fill our minds with true ideas. Simply put, we combat deception with truth. 
It's unfathomable to imagine sending young men and women off to fight a physical war without proper training. Yet, when it comes to spiritual warfare, we do this all the time. The vast majority of our students are simply not prepared for the spiritual battle that awaits them. At this year's Rethink Apologetic Student Conferences, we're training students to counter the lies of the enemy. Lies like God does not exist, God is anti-gay, Muslims and Christians worship the same God are just a few of the false ideas we'll be addressing. So join me and a number of other speakers at one of this year's Rethink Apologetic Student Conferences. Find out more information about Rethink by going to RethinkApologetics.com. That's RethinkApologetics.com. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. All right. Good evening. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the second half of the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, and I am here in, not in the KKLA studio, but at Branch of Hope in Torrance, California, broadcasting remotely for a special COVID-19 <laughs> episode. And I'm here with Dr. Eddie Anorga. And I was just talking to our sound guys back at the KKLA studios, and he says we are sounding awesome, even though we can't you know, we don't have the normal feedback and uh, hearing ourselves here in the headsets. We're kind of uh, talking a little bit blindly here. Um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. It might be a little difficult for us to take calls tonight, but I do want to throw out our number again. If you want to chime in on this conversation regarding coronavirus, uh, how should we respond? How should we think about all of this quarantining and stay-at-home orders as Christians, what are some of the implications that we should be considering and thinking about? Um, please call us. You can reach us at 888-995-5552. That's 888-995-KKLA. Um, so I wanted to highlight an article here, Eddie. Well, there's a few, there's a few headlines I just recently, I recently saw, um, and they kind of each kind of tangentially relate to what we're talking about. One, you were just talking about it. Um, this is kind of promising. This is kind of encouraging. Early antibody testing in Chicago shows that 30 to 50% of those tested for COVID-19 already have antibodies. So does that mean that they would have, their body has uh, the they necessary have, yeah, means an antibody to fight is, off is this one of the, the molecules in your body that helps you fight off infection. So just like... If you've had measles, we can draw your blood and we can test if you have a certain type of antibody against measles. And if you do, the likelihood of you getting measles again is very low. And the likelihood of you spreading measles or chicken pox or whatever it is for that matter is very low. So once you have antibodies against certain viruses, then it, it frequently will confer immunity, which means that you won't get the disease and that is very unlikely that you will pass it on to somebody else. And that's what's impossible. That's really important with regards to this concept of herd immunity, that once a certain percentage of the population has antibodies, that the virus will hit a lot of dead-end streets and die there. It won't be able to propagate from one person to the other. Mm. So that's encouraging news, although that's a small study and it's limited in just my understanding the situation that the numbers of tested people that are positive is a small number a smaller much smaller number than the number of people that will test and end up being having positive antibodies and that will be immune so that's good news okay um good yeah i thought that was encouraging um so remind me to ask you about vaccines 
at some point before you know this half hour is up because I do want to get your thoughts on vaccines um, and you know because there's a lot of talk about that's kind of the end goal you know and there's a lot of controversy regarding vaccines um, well and especially trying to fast track a vaccine like is that dangerous is um, how should we be thinking about that sort of stuff as uh, as Christians putting things into our body and I don't know anything related to that. Um, but also related to our conversation, we have this, we have a headline I recently read from today about a man without a face mask being dragged off a bus by police, okay? So one of the things that we want to touch on is the dangers of an overpowered state. And yeah, and there's this other virus that's been circulating for the last uh, over 50 years. It's called the MRX virus, and it's been responsible for hundreds of, and millions of, of deaths. Hmm. And it's very hard to protect from this virus. It can be transmitted through your TV screen, through your computer, through the sound waves. Uh, it's being transmitted through um, through through movies, through songs, books. It's at your through books. It's it's you can you can catch it at your u local university. <laughs> uh, it's everywhere. The and, MRX uh, virus. Yeah, huh? the MRX. Yeah, for Karl Marx and uh, named after Karl Marx, and it's an ideology that really uh, exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And the basic thing is that the that man or, you know, our leaders can decide what's right and wrong. And we see that, you know, in the Soviet Union when when asked, well, what is just and, and not just, it's what the state says is just and not just, as mm. opposed to the wonderful idea that our founding fathers had is that our rights are not conferred to us by our leaders, but their God-given rights and our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What they understood that happiness came from living a virtuous life, mm -hmm. you know, a, a life that uh, that was responsible. Uh, that 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 was what would lead to uh, prosperity, success, and the whole sense of well-being and flourishing. And uh, if you look at nations that have been ruled by tyrants, it's always the opposite. You know that flourishing, mm -hmm. freedom, and liberty suffer. And so that's that's the thing that we need to resist. And we've seen little sparks of that. As of course, the mm -hmm. Marxist playbook is that they would love to take advantage of any crisis to promote their progression to Marxism and mm -hmm. to the to the need for further state control and further power being given to state and restriction of our liberties. And this is something that we should not take lightly. This is certainly mm -hmm. something that we all need to be entering into frank discussion about with our friends, our neighbors, and with our uh, political representatives. Right. So, I mean, even the slightest infringement on our liberty should be taken quite seriously, right? We've seen, um, you know, just recently, this man got dragged off of a bus by police for not wearing a mask, right? I've seen or heard of a dad who just got handcuffed at a park in Colorado for uh, throwing a ball, you know, with his six-year-old daughter, right? Um, these sorts of things should catch our attention, right? Surfers and being arrested. Paddleboarders, <laughs> you know, out in Santa Monica, Venice, you know, chased down by a Coast Guard, like lifeguard boat, because he was stand-up paddling, you know, out in the ocean by himself, nowhere near anyone else. Um, so, yeah, the basic principle is that we need to spread out, you know, that we can't be... Um, you know, right. in a dense situation. But again, if somebody is out on their paddleboard out in the middle of the uh, ocean with nobody around, they're probably doing a lot less to spread coronavirus than the person that's going to the supermarket. Right. And so we, we have a lot of laws, right, that we abide by, right, that are intended to keep ourselves and others safe, right? That's yeah. a thing that we've been living with our entire lives, right? We all drive on the right-hand side of the road, right? If you drive on the wrong side of the road, you, you will get a ticket um, because you could harm someone, right? So you, could, you could crash into someone. Um, so that law is there, right? 
we have traffic laws and whatnot uh, to protect us and others, right? So, I mean, could you see us getting to a point, at least for a temporary season, where we say, okay, uh, we should maintain this six-foot distance, and if you encroach on that, um, there's going to be some sort of a penalty. Would that be an unjust thing? Would that be too much of an infringement on our on our liberty that we should be concerned about? Or, you know, is, the, is there... Is there a way we can do this in a manner that's that's not tyrannical, that's well, not I mean, overpowered, that's, like an overpowered know, state? This is this is an incredible concept that came also from our founding fathers. Is that this liberty that we've received, which is really unprecedented, will only work when people act responsibly? You know, so when people understand and have the right commitments, and so. The whole, you know, for example, the distancing thing makes sense. We should do that voluntarily. Mm -hmm. We should not need to have the government impose that upon us. Right. But yet I've already heard about fights breaking out because somebody's like getting too close to them in line. And then people say, oh, you're too close to me. And then, you know, it goes from there, you know, mm -hmm. and people are wound up and ready to go. So, again, you know, these things we need to take seriously as far as social distancing. But the responsibility to do that needs to be most certainly at the side of the individual. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that's 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 where our biggest responsibility lies. So can we can we look at can we look at these social distancing if they were to make them laws or whatever as as similar to like traffic laws that like you need to maintain this certain distance to keep you and others safe and they may need to be there temporarily, temporarily. for a while until we get a better handle on this you know again you know, although this is a very dangerous virus for some, for most people, it is appearing as though they'll be able to do quite well with it. That's right. number one. And that, uh, yeah, until we get a better handle on how this virus works, how we can protect ourselves from it by a variety of means, including things like vaccination and personal protective equipment, uh, medications, mm -hmm. you know, getting a better understanding of what medicines actually actually work. Uh, you know, all these things are things that we need a little bit of time for. So something like that temporarily may be something that it's in need, but yet we're on the road to developing herd immunity. And at some point, uh, these things are going to become less and less important. I think the whole vaccination thing is going to yeah, be just, a really important thing for people who are at high risk okay. because... Um, you know, if a young, healthy person gets this disease, it's very likely that they'll be able to do well with it uh, and they'll be able to develop their own immunity. Uh, whereas the person who is elderly or has underlying pulmonary disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer patients, et cetera, those people are going to be at higher risk of getting an infection and developing immunity from infection. And ultimately, we want you know, 90%, 99% of the population to be immune, in which case then we don't have to uh, have to engage in so much social distancing. So that's uh, that would be an important point of vaccines would be very useful for those people who are at higher risk. Um, unfortunately, vaccines and testing their effect, their effectiveness and their safety is something that takes time. It's something that uh, that just you know takes a while to demonstrate and prove. Okay, um, we do have a caller on the line, which I'd like to go to if at some point, not right now. Um, but as far as vaccines go and liberty, right? Um, one of the things I think people get really fearful of is this idea of like a forced vaccine like a forced vaccination. You mean you think the government would force vaccines upon people? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, or else your kid can't go to school. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> I guess that's um, happening in California. Do you... Do you is that also go along with, like, if you see your neighbor out in the street, call, call the mayor? Yeah, call and call the cops on them. Yeah, call that's the a whole other I think I heard something about that. And uh... The mayor actually encouraged people, if you see your neighbors out, violating these rules or just walking around that you should call and 
report them to the that police. That sounds like Cuba. In Cuba, they had that. Oh, okay. You know, when they had the daily televised firing squads, oh. you know, where they would, you know, every day, at, you know, the, the news, they would find some counter-revolutionary and execute them so that everybody yeah. would be fearful. They were at the same time, you know, bust, you know, bust your neighbor if you think he's a counter-revolutionary. Wow. Yeah, so these sorts of things. So w w as far as vaccines go, can the, can, so that's, that would be a, a bad thing, right, to make a vaccine man. If someone doesn't want to take a vaccine, should there be a point at which they're forced to vaccinate? I would say no. No. Okay, so that would be infringing on our liberty, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Okay. So going back to this idea of an overpowered state, you've, you've kind of addressed the historical perspective, right? If our leaders don't understand the importance of liberty, it leads to tyranny. But biblically, you know, what would you say, how would you build that argument if you were, um, if you were to build this argument from scripture, you know, you're in the Garden of Eden or something, and you, someone asked Adam, you know, why, why is liberty important? You well, um, one of the wonderful things about the Bible are these great threads that run through the entire length of Scripture, and one of them is the, the thread of bondage and freedom. And uh, one of the clearest places where that's made known is uh, in the Exodus, you know, that, that, the, uh, that they were under the rule of a tyrant and that, uh, that God used Moses as his instrument to, the lead, to lead people out of bondage into freedom so that they could praise him instead of the Pharaoh, which was the mm. required praise at that time. And so, you know, that's a, just a great picture, but that does go all the way back to the garden and that, you know, that we're in a bondage to sin. And mm -hmm. it's actually the truth that sets us free from our limit, limited understanding of good and evil. And uh, the, problem, the problem in the garden was that Adam thought he can figure out the good and evil problem on his own that right. he thought he could look in the future and that he had the resources to be able to determine good and evil on his own without some transcendent um, some transcendent power that that actually has the ability to see things in the past and the ability to see things in the future and to tell us what will lead to flourishing and what won't and so that's the struggle and that's why you see that our country that's based on the idea that our rights are given to us by God and that it's our leaders' responsibility to protect and defend those rights. That's something that they're supposed to swear to, uh, that they're in office to protect and defend those transcendent rights that God has given us. Amen. Uh, we did have a caller who gave us a good question. Unfortunately, we weren't able to take their call live on the air and have them talk to us at this, um, given our scenario here. But the question was regard to Romans 13, um, which basically says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, right? For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Okay, so how do we honor our government today, right? How do we honor those governing authorities that have been instituted by God while still asking questions, um, which is kind of what we've been talking about, right? Like, this is not something, we don't go out and break these rules just to break these rules. We, we're not telling anyone to take matters into their own hands, right? We are in what we call a battle of ideas, right? We are in a battle of, of persuasion, right? Uh, we need to talk to our neighbors. We need to petition our representatives. Um, we need to protest if, if needed. We need to assemble and protest and, uh, you know, go to the government and ad have our grievances addressed, right? Um, so how would you answer that? How do we still honor them while asking important questions and you know, the question of why has come up a lot for me. You know, I'm looking at all these different statistics coming out, you know, um, you know, looking at the flu, looking at corona, looking at, you know, 
how many people have died of the flu versus corona, all these things, and the numbers just aren't adding up to what I'm seeing happen, like these these measures that are being taken. And I'm asking why, like why is this? Why are we why are we so panic stricken and fearful of this of this virus? It doesn't seem to warrant that sort of uh, reaction based on what I've seen. Um, so how do we ask those questions while still honoring those in well, authority? You know, I, I would maybe, I rarely disagree with Jason, but I, <laughs> I, I am concerned about this virus. Well, and, you're a doctor, so you, you're uh, more informed than I am. You know, <laughs> in, in, <clears throat> I'm concerned in the sense that, that we have to be very careful about overwhelming the healthcare system. I agree. You know, because once that happens, you know, if you have appendicitis, if you have a heart attack, if you have, you know, all the things that are usually around mm -hmm. and the healthcare system isn't there for you, you're going to be in deep trouble. And that's already um, happening. Huh? That's already happening. Well, um, well, in certain certain places it is. Fortunately, around here, it, you know, the yeah. numbers haven't been that bad. I think I looked at the numbers of one of our local hospitals here and the census for coronavirus cases, patients was running between 40 and 50, which is a level that they can handle. Mm -hmm. And uh, But yet back to the Romans 13, and I think yeah. in order to understand Romans 13, you have to read a little bit further um, it says, it says for in verse three, it says, for the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Mm. Uh, do you want to be af unafraid of the authorities? Do what is good and you will have praise for the same. For he is God's minister for you for good. So again, uh, as I think the first person I've heard say this was Nyslonger is that there is only one good mm -hmm. and that's God's good. Mm -hmm. So the 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 minister who's been ordained by God is his it's his duty to defend objective good, and when he starts to just like any other authority, when he starts to uh, deviate from that, he then begins to lose his authority to do that job. Just as mm -hmm. if you know, within a family, the father has a certain amount of authority. If the father begins to say, well, I think we need to go out and rob banks, then the father undermines his authority because his mm -hmm. authority comes from God. And so, okay. you know, so then at that point, the family has a has a, uh, a right to question the father and say, well, gee, dad, I don't know if this bank robbing thing is actually a very biblical thing. Maybe we ought to look at getting jobs. Um so um, so anyways, this, this idea that the minister is there and is placed for a particular purpose. Mm -hmm. The other way to look at this is that this is uh, a design verse, that this is the way that, that our leadership is designed to function. So I think that that's right. kind of another factor in that, again, like Jason said, we're in a battle of ideas and we don't wage war according to the flesh. Uh, we wage war in terms of ideas, and God has given us the foundational ideas that are capable of casting uh, casting down any argument that it exalts itself above the knowledge of God mm. or attempts to. Yeah. Yeah. Great response. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have too much to add to that. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about. Um, some of the wisdom, 2 Corinthians 4.18. Okay, so there's a caller that wants us to read 2 Corinthians 4.18. So can you grab that, Eddie? Um, in a, as I kind of, I want to unpack some something here for you to maybe exactly. comment on as well. But one thing I want to communicate to people is that one thing we've learned so far is that there is wisdom in the scriptures that if we had heeded it, uh, taking it to heed, would have saved us from this entire situation, right? There are dietary laws, for example, that God has given to his people through his word on what to eat and what not to eat. And we know that the origin of this entire situation has been... Uh, from some very, very bad dietary practices um, in certain parts of the world, right? And the Bible is clear that we should not eat rodents, right? We should not eat flying rodents, right? We should not eat certain things. They're unclean. Um, and why are they there, right? Um, these aren't legally binding in a moral sense, 
right? These laws, these dietary laws, um, they don't impact the issue of human salvation. Uh, but with reference to human health, they're very valid, right? And this is a huge health situation. Um, God says nothing by accident, right? So we don't observe the Sabbaths of Israel, but we do observe the Lord's Day, right? And the health of the human heart um, and life is at stake if the Sabbath rest is ignored, for example, right? So similar, similarly, you know, dietary ordinances remain not as moral laws per se, but as principles of health for the human body, right? So I think one thing people can learn from this is that there's wisdom in the Bible from years and years ago, thousands of years ago, you know, you, Eddie knows about the, the washing of the hands for medical, you know, not spreading disease, right, in the scriptures. That's Leviticus 15. Um, it wasn't until right. 1818 that uh, Simon Weiss, I believe his name was, uh, suggested that you should wash your hands in between patients. Right. What a novel idea. What a, what a novel yeah. idea. It's been there for thousands of years, and we finally read it and observe it, and what do you know? We're curing diseases. Um, so anyways, we need to be looking to the scriptures for wisdom, and I want Eddie to read that. Because yeah, actually, have I've been two reading this here. passage. Uh, m most of my Bible studies, you know, talks <laughs> about how, you know, we, it begins in verse 7, where it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not ourselves, that we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And then it goes on, I'm skipping ahead to verse 16, which is the passage that uh, 16 and 17 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which were seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not are eternal. And it goes on later in uh, 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And finally, uh, in verse 11, it says, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So, you know, one of the ideas here is that we always are setting our eyes on the big picture and that our goal is to persuade others of, uh, of the truth of the gospel. Amen. That's a great way to wrap up our show tonight. Thank you, Dr. Eddie, for being here with me. Thank you, Gabe, at the KKLA studio for all your hard work there on the ones and twos. This is Jason Gallagher with the Apologetics.com radio show signing off. We'll be back here next Friday night. I want to wish everybody a happy Easter. He is risen. He is king. And I pray that all of you would know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, and we will see you next week. God bless you all. Good night.